0: Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing.
1: Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Good morning, and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 943 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs. From across the low country, talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now, your hosts of Beyond the Business, Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood. And great
2: Saturday morning, Low Country. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business. Heard here on 943 WSC every Saturday morning. Thank you to our loyal listeners for taking the time to listen to us. Or you might be checking us out on podcasts. And in case you want to know how to get there, simply go to our website at coastalwm.com and click on the radio icon. I'm one of your hosts here this morning, Eric Cox, with a full house here in studio. I'm back. Mahalo. <laughs>
0: Aloha. <laughs> yes, mahalo for being here, yes, right? Yes, yes. Uh, You're welcome.
2: We've missed you, Leslie, as usual. I but know. You've had a heck of a, a summer travel
0: schedule. It, it's been so. a great summer travel schedule, but I mean, the kids are back in school. Everyone's doing all the things, so I think I'm done. I, th- I think you're going to be stuck with me for a while now. Good, good. deal. We, yeah. We'll
3: take it. Byron, uh, good morning yeah, to you as good well. morning, Eric. I'm just sitting over here next to Leslie looking green with envy with all the travel she's been doing.
2: She's had a great summer. Maybe we should just do a show based on your travel.
0: I right Can we change that'd the be, format? That'd
2: be an interesting show, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. You've already had your show. Too bad. So, <laughs> that'd be so um, fun for all of us, Great sure. week in the low country. You know why it's been a great week in the low country?
0: Because all the kids are back to school.
2: Yes, and all the parents are very happy. So it's been a great week in the low country. And uh, as usual, we're here for another Saturday morning. Uh, hopefully, you got a good cup of coffee ready to go. Another great show on hand. But before we dive into this week's guest, uh, Byron, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, who we had over the last couple of weeks. Miss yeah, uh, Leslie, Leslie Jackson.
3: Jackson, absolutely from uh, Assisted Living Locators. You know, wh- one of my biggest takeaways, I think, was a quote that she said, kind of near the end of the show, and she says, "Know what your strengths are and invest in the others." And I think that's a you know testament to Realizing where your strengths start and where they end, and do it what you're good at and what you're not good at. Have someone else do or invest in maybe an outside source to do that for you.
2: Yeah, and uh,
3: you know another, I think just great show of
2: wisdom and solid nuggets about entrepreneurship. Uh, it's lovely to listen to shows like that and realize we're all in the waters together. And uh, she talked about uh, the moment that she leapt into entrepreneurship, that how big of a gut check that was, but at the end of the day. She wanted to bet on herself, and really, isn't that what entrepreneurship's all about? That's what it's all about. So, great stuff, Leslie. Thanks again for bringing your best and uh, allowing our listeners to hear all about your story. And uh, speaking yes, of stories, who we have
3: here today, Eric?
2: we got another story ahead. Mr. Kevin McCork. Uh, first of all, Kevin, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Thanks for joining us here on a Saturday morning. Uh, Kevin is the owner of Monster Tree Service of uh, Charleston, and uh, we're going to hear all about, certainly that business and all the great things that are going on. Uh, But we want to talk about your background first, as we usually do. Um, Before we get there, Kevin, if you don't mind, for our listeners'
1: sake, give them a quick little rundown, 20-second commercial on your company. Okay, Monster Tree Service is a full-service tree company. um, We're bringing customer service, uh, high-level of customer service, back um, to the tree industry. Um, We really enjoy working with our customers, and we give them a truly uh, high-end experience. Uh, when taking down their trees.
2: Okay, so we're going to certainly learn a lot more about that mostly next week, uh, but before we do, guys.
0: Yes, I know. I and I'm. I have a. I get to see a little bit of a of a preview. And tree service is not in your background initially, so I'm excited to see how you got there. Um, let's start with way way back. Where were you born? Where we? Where did you grow up? And what was life like?
1: Right. I was born and raised in uh, Queens, New York. I was uh, raised in Glen Oaks. Uh, I lived there till about five years old, um, and then we were lucky enough. My parents bought a house on Long Island, and we moved to Westbury, Long Island, when I was five.
2: And I thought that was a West Ashley accent. I can't believe I'm missing <laughs> <saying>. it.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, what was what was family life like? Did you have any siblings, and what were some hobbies that you had when you were growing up?
1: Yeah, so I have a, a younger sister. She's a year younger than me, Suzanne. I have a younger brother, John. He's four years younger than me. And growing up, I just loved to play sports. So I played baseball, played basketball, pretty much as soon as I could, um, and 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 did that for most of my life.
3: I do have to just make this little nugget. I think this might be what the fifth or sixth show that we've had this year, where you know our guest is from Queens. I don't know what it is about Queens entrepreneurs coming to uh, Charleston. That's pretty cool. Um, wow. So, yeah. You know, what what kind of student were you in school?
1: I think I was an okay student. Um, I think I was a little bored in school. Um, I enjoyed school. I enjoyed the the social aspects of school. I didn't enjoy so much the studying aspects of school, so I was probably a a B-plus student. Um, I think if I applied myself, I could have been much better, but, you know, I was easily distracted and and just more wanted to do the social aspects and and play sports. That's really what I enjoyed.
2: A little bored. I heard that many times this week, actually, (laughs) particularly from my kindergartner, Jake. He's like, yeah, Dad... School's boring. I'm like, this is great. Way to start your school career, right? So uh, give us a little flavor for uh, family life. What were your parents doing uh, as professionals?
1: Yeah, my dad was, uh, when I was younger, my dad was a diesel mechanic, um, so he worked really hard. Um, He actually worked a couple of jobs just to make ends meet back in the day. Um, My mom was a stay-at-home mom for many years, uh, but then we moved to Long Island. My mom took a job and she managed a credit card division at Citicorp um, back in the day. So um, my, so so when you look worked. back at that time and
2: you, you think about it as a youngster looking at your parents, what would you say is a maybe a nugget you took away that's been a fiber who you are today?
1: Yeah, my dad instilled a really big time work ethic in me. So my father worked really hard. Um, he served in the Marines, so um, we grew up in a relatively strict household. And um, you know, from a very young age, I was I was mowing the lawn, I was painting the house, I was helping take trees down. I helped them put a roof on the house. I mean, there was constantly things to do, and I was always working. Um, And I think, you know, my dad instilled that in me: Um, always be work on time, always give a hard day's work, um, and be true to yourself. And and that's something I take, you know, I take forward to today.
2: So you weren't on the computer playing every day, doing the joystick thing.
1: (laughs) That was a little (laughs) nugget for my children
2: by the way oh, just yes. in case they're listening this morning in case morning. you're listening yeah. yes hard entrepreneurs work. yes hard work pays hard work. off that's hard how you
0: work. get there and what was one of your first paid jobs you know outside of mowing the lawns and stuff like that
1: my first paid job was working in the da- dairy aisle at um i can't remember the name of the of the grocery store um but it was that was my first paid job i was I think i was 15 and i had to clock in and out and i and i was stocking items in the dairy aisle so,
3: you know, at this point when you're, you're a kid or a teenager and you're starting, you know, your work ethic is fantastic. You're starting your first, you know, jobs. Did you have any sort of ideas to what you wanted to be when you grew up?
1: You know, I, like a lot of kids, you know, I thought I was going to be a professional baseball player. I really did. Um, Niggies par- are pretty good back then. Still are. Yeah. At, at, at a young age, um I was a med fan by the way. Oh, yeah. Still a med still a mad fan. Oh just swing and a miss on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Met fan. But um no, I was a pretty good athlete when I was younger. I was I was uh voted the uh the best athlete in my junior high school. So I peaked a little bit too early, eighth grade. You know, it would have been nicer if it happened when I was a senior in high school, but um I was a good athlete when I was younger. I I mean I was a good athlete when I was older, but I just I just wasn't big enough and I guess maybe strong enough or whatever, but. And so you go off to college uh, ready to study and prepare for what? I wanted to study for business. I didn't really know, honestly. I didn't know what I wanted to do, right? So I went and studied business management. I didn't really pick anything more specific than that. Um, In hindsight, maybe I wish I did, but I didn't. Um, So I'm trying to think as far as, you know, neither one of my parents went to college. Um, And I was the first one in my family, obviously, to go to college. And so- I just kind of figured it out on my own. Um,
0: now, it, it, during those college years, was there any um, mentors or teachers or any inkling of going in the entrepreneurial path? Or were you just just going to try to work for somebody?
1: Yeah, I was going to try to work for somebody. Um, I didn't know. I mean, I I cut loans when I was 12, right, until I was 15 and had that job. Um, and then I had a landscaping business when I was a senior in high school with a couple of my friends. We did that one summer, had a truck and, and did that all summer long, actually cut down a tree that we shouldn't have, but we got it down to the ground somehow. And, um, but that was, you know, that was, we just did that because we didn't want to work for somebody else at that point in time. Um, but then I figured I'd just get a job and, and do what everybody else does. And that's kind of what my parents pushed is go get a job and that's what you need to do for the rest of your life. So, go get a job. What was the first job after college? The first job I got was at New York Life Insurance. Um, I was working in like an accounting slash finance job um, in, in New York City. So, that was kind of exciting, getting to take the train every day and go to the city. Um, so, I did that for a couple of years.
2: Was this at the 51 Madison Avenue location? Yes. Yeah, nice building. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful building. Look, a yeah. Good
1: place to go for your
2: first job out yeah, of school. Yeah, pretty neat. So, you stayed in the finance arena for a while. I know you worked with uh, J.P. Morgan and Citibank. Uh, give us a little insight to what was it like to be working for these massive Fortune 100 financial services firms?
1: Yeah, I mean, it It was fun. I mean, I, I liked New York Life. I mean, I didn't see really a, a career path there and what I was doing. Um, and then I was recruited out of there into into MCI in, in a finance role um, for a lot more money. So I ended up leaving New York Life and going to MCI to, to do a finance role. Um, and then while I was at MCI, I, I, I became friends with the head of sales and marketing, the VP of sales and marketing, Jerry DiMartino. And Jerry basically said to me, you know, you really should be a salesperson. You know, I know you're in the finance group and you're running the finance group and everything else, but I know you long enough and I see you as a salesperson down the road. I'd never thought about that myself as a salesperson, but you know, he's the first one that kinda put planted that seed.
0: Was there anything in the early part of your career that you might have done differently?
1: That's a good question. Um, told you, she's gonna ask the hard one. Yeah. I know, I just <laughs> well, we all, ones. we
0: all make mistakes and sometimes, you know, they they turn out to be blessings. But is there anything that you can think of, man, I wish I had not done that or listened to so-and-so when they told me maybe don't go down that path?
1: In the early part of my career, I don't think that I, I, I made a lot of mistakes as right. far as that's concerned. Maybe later on in my career, um, I made some mistakes and, and, and that comes back to sort of my personality. I don't do well with people that are disrespectful or, or, uh, or
0: that military
1: dictator type yeah. management skills. And I had, I've left positions at companies where I was doing really well because I didn't really like the people I worked for and I, and, I, and I left. So, so I have made some decisions based on that that maybe in hindsight, maybe I shouldn't have. I don't know. But, but, you know, I, I did run into that a couple of times in my career.
3: So kind of walk us through the career path uh, you know from one financial institution to the next from working in finance to sales did you end up making that jump to sales?
1: Yes okay so I ended up working um, in the finance role at MCI and um, I had been to California a few years earlier and I decided I was going to move to California. I, I was in the subway one day I was walking up the stairs and um, I was getting pushed around and and, um, I, I, and I just I, I got to the top of the stairs. And there was a certain smell in the stairway, too. You smell urine. I mean, let's be honest with you. Yeah. And I can remember it as if it was yesterday. And I got to the top of the stairs and I said, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm going to move to California. I'm going to save my money and I'm going to move to California. And so I put a plan in place to actually move to California.
2: With a vision of a professional opportunity in sales or at that point, it was like,
1: I don't care. Just get me out of here. I was just going to leave. Yeah. I had a great job. I had a manager's job at MCI. I was managing people, and I just decided that you know, again, in hindsight, you know, people, you know, my parents, my family didn't think I was really going to do it. They thought they thought I was crazy. I'm going to leave a really good job, and I'm just going to get in my car, pack it up, and just drive across country. And that w- that was my that was my plan. That was it.
0: God, inspired by the smell <laughs> of pee.
1: <laughs> It'll do a lot of things. I much. Know, yeah, you know. I love Pretty much. I it. Pretty much. Love it. I had love it. 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 It was
2: a breaking point. And by the way, in case uh, you're wondering whose voice in this amazing story about urine in the subway we're listening to, is <laughs> that of Mr. Kevin McCourt. And again, Kevin is the owner of Monster Tree Service of Charleston. And Kevin, you're giving us a little insight, obviously, to your upbringing and how you um, kind of came through your life. And so off to California you go. Yeah.
1: Yes. Um, what happened?
2: Did you have a professional opportunity when you went, actually when that time came or was it pack the bags, drive across country and go figure it out?
1: Pack the bags, drive across country and figure it out. Um, I gave my company like six or eight weeks notice because it didn't really matter. So I left on great terms and um, I went to go see the executives before I left because I became friendly with a lot of them and the executive wing of MCI. And I ran into Jerry DiMartino, the VP of Sales and Marketing, and he says, all right, listen, I know you're going to move to California. I'm going to create a job for you because I want you to get into sales. And I'm like, okay. And we had a conversation and he said he was going to do that. And I didn't really think much of it. And I just thought he was just saying that to me, right? And off I went and I took off. And um, the day I got in my car, my family still didn't think I was going to leave. Uh, My girlfriend of a couple of years was really not happy. And I said, this is what I have to do. I'm getting in the car and I'm going. They said, you have no plan. I said, I have enough money in the bank. I'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. And I got in the car and I took off. And they stood there in the driveway looking at me, thinking probably I was going to turn be around. be back in a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I packed the car to the gills and everything I could pack in in my uh, my little BMW that I had bought, I, I packed in and I took off. And I have to say, that was the best two and a half weeks of my life. Seriously. <laughs> two <and a> half. <laughs> I didn't have a job. I didn't have anybody you know, requiring anything of me. I got to drive cross country in the middle of the summer with the windows down, um, stopped to see a lot of friends and relatives along the way. Got to play golf along the way, and I just felt free, and it was awesome. It was, it was really, it was really like the best two weeks of my life. So, what happened when you touched down in California? Yeah, I, I touched, I touched down in California, and, so to speak. And down. when I got there, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then. So I will age myself right now. So I got, in the, I got a payphone and I called my mom, and she said, "Oh, by the way, this guy called. This guy, you know, a guy named Jerry Martino? I said, "Oh, yeah." She goes, yeah, he needs you to call him. She gave me his number. I called him and he said, all right, where are you? I said, I was in San Diego area. So I had a cousin out there. And he said, okay, he goes, uh, you need to call this guy, Dennis Melfa, and, um, and you need to go see him. He's got a job waiting for you. And uh, so he created a marketing job. He wanted me to do a marketing job to help the sales team in California. And then as soon as there was a, a sales opening, I would get the next sales opening. So what he did, what he said he was going to do, which I found, you know, unbelievable. I, did, I didn't expect it. Um, But when I got there, there was basically a job waiting for me. So how long were you in California? Uh, I spent six years there. Uh Wow. Yeah. And at what point did you make
2: the switch out of sort of that traditional sales role? uh, As I know you had a long career in pharmaceuticals. uh, When did you make that switch over?
1: I only got into the pharmaceutical business um, probably 10 years ago. So I was in sales for a long time. Okay. Um, with MCI. And then MCI sold off that division to BT North America. So they went over to AT&T. They were were pursuing me anyway. So I I moved over there. I had a great sales career. Um, I went on a lot of President's Club trips to Hawaii a couple of times. And um, I just loved the sales role.
2: So when you look back over that sales time, um, what would be a nugget or two you would share with some of our listeners that maybe are at the early end of that phase that uh, you could give them some wisdom of nuggets that might help them be successful in their sales roles?
1: Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people make a mistake where they try to, they try to talk too much and they, and they try to push things on people. And like I say to my kids all the time, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? You got to sit back and really understand what people are looking for and what they want um, and spend a lot more time listening as opposed to talking. And that helps you build relationships with people. And, and, the, and the reason I was successful in sales role and the reason I'm still successful as a salesperson because I do a lot of sales in my current role is I listen to people, I like people, Um, I want to get to know them, and and I'm genuine with them, and I want to hear what it is they need or what they they want, and I try to address those needs and wants, and I think every salesperson should do that um, as opposed to pushing, you know, uh, various, uh, whether it's software or products or anything towards somebody, just listen for what somebody's looking for and try to find something that fits, and if it doesn't, you walk away.
0: So how did the switch happen between the six years in California and in, in finance? And then how did how did pharmaceutical sales come about?
1: Yeah. So um, that's an interesting story. So oh, I love those. I spent six years in California. I was in the Northridge earthquake. Um, I think that was in 1994 or five, something like that. It was a big earthquake and I was up there, um, I was dating somebody at the time, and I was up there in that earthquake, and that really scared me, like, that was a really, sc- I've been in earthquakes before, but not one like that, that was a really scary one, a lot of people died up there, buildings collapsed, and um, and so when I went back down to Redondo Beach, um, I was there for another six to seven months, but I couldn't sleep anymore, like, I couldn't sleep at night, because I was always, a f- I-, I just would wake up in the middle of the night, um, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer back then, and I decided to move back to the East Coast, um, and I left California, I left California, came back, uh, to New York with AT&T. How about, I was
0: going to say, with this <clears throat> girlfriend, was she happy or did you leave her too? Yeah,
1: she wasn't happy either. <laughs> <laughs> there's a pattern. Here, right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I left her too. Right, I really wasn't into the whole commitment thing. Yeah. Like, I would, yeah. Right. So, yeah, you're so, a
0: rambling man. There, I got it.
1: There's a pattern. Okay. Absolutely. Um, she actually came looking for me and thank God she didn't find me. I found out. <laughs> she did come to New York looking for me oh my and God. she couldn't find me. I found out from her um, through somebody else. But um, So I came back to New York. I transferred with AT&T. And, um, and I did that for a while, but then they wanted me to do a different kind of service uh, in, 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 in the telecom arena. And it was, it was not the same solution-based thing I was doing. It was basically selling telephone and, and data, and I wasn't going to do that. I, like, I had never done that. I'm not going to sell a commodity. I didn't want to do that. So I ended up, I ended up leaving there. Wow. So pharmaceuticals, did that happen when you were back on the East Coast? When wow. I came back on the East Coast, I did a little quick stint. I had a coffee house for a couple of years called Perks Coffee. So I had a coffee house for a few years. Is this a coffee house that you opened yourself? Myself. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like okay. Central Perk, it looked like that. I had couches and fireplace. I had okay, a computer. First
0: entrepreneurial venture? Is that, yes. That was your first yes. dip in the pool? Okay.
1: I put a, I put a cyber cafe in. So people, there's a dating service on there. It was very early and, and that kind of, so people could come there and find each other through my computer system it was it was uh so that was kind of interesting so it was like i called it a cyber cafe i had live music it was a lot of fun i did that for a few years but it was a real draining business and i really just wasn't making the money i was making in corporate america um and it was just a drain financially and emotionally and the hours were really long so i ended up selling that um and going back into corporate america um i ended up becoming a banker um for about eight or nine years um and then and so I met, And the reason I did that is I wanted to meet entrepreneurs. So I figured if I become a commercial banker, I could spend a lot of time with entrepreneurs and get to learn what, what they do and how they're successful. So um, that ended up being an awesome um, period of time in my life. I met a lot of great customers. A lot of them I'm still friends with today. Um, and from that, I met the pharmaceutical company. I financed their building, and then they started to ask me to come work for them. And so that's kind of how that happened.
2: So, Kevin, did you, when you went through this coffee house, couple of your experience as an entrepreneur, like you said, it was tough, the waters were choppy, you get out. Did you know, hey, one day I'm going to return to the waters of entrepreneurship? Was that the goal in mind? Or, yes. Or, okay.
1: Always was. So, I figured I'd go back to corporate America, get back on my feet, and then I would do something again, whatever that was. Um, took me a little
2: longer than I expected, but- <laughs> Yeah, because the total time was what? You said eight years in banking- and another four or five years in pharmaceuticals. It, it, so. it, it's, it was a long time. Yeah. 12, 13 years. Yeah. 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 So what percolated in your life that had you um, resurrect the, the concept of getting back into entrepreneurship?
1: So we moved down to South Carolina with the pharmaceutical company. and I was running a division for them down here as the president of the, of the uh, nutrition portion of the pharmaceutical company. Um, we had a store down here. We were selling online. Um, I still ran the sales and marketing team, um, for all the different divisions of the company that was still up in New York. So I had a lot of hats I was wearing. I had to spend, I had to go back and forth to New York a lot. I had to go to China a lot. I spent a lot of time in Europe. So I was flying all over the place. Um, and I just got tired of it. And me and my boss had a discussion. We were great friends. I know her. She knows my family, my whole entire family, all my friends. I said, listen, I can't do this anymore. I can't spend a half a month up in New York when that's not the deal. We agreed on less time. And I can't be traveling the world. My my kids are getting older and I want to spend time with them. I, I moved to Charleston to live in Charleston, not to live in New York, China, and Europe. So um, it just got to a point where it was time to move on.
0: And I, did you have a wife or girlfriend? I, I like the first girl yeah. at this time. <laughs> so, Someone that stuck?
1: Yeah, so so, yeah, so. yeah, <clears throat> actually I met my wife three days after 9-11. That's a whole different story. Oh my God. And uh, we ended up getting married a year later because I was at a point in my life where either I'm getting married now if I want to have kids or I can't because I was like 38. <clears throat> so we ended up getting married um, and, and I'm still with Andrea and um, Andrea's the one who moved down here with me kicking and screaming. She didn't want to come from New York, but she loves it here now. And, um, and so I had, to, I had to find something else to do once I left the pharmaceutical business.
2: So when you reflect back on your corporate experience, what would you say is one of your major takeaways, positive, negative, just from the all those years of experience you had with major
1: corporations? Yeah, um, I think what I take away from that is I'm very different from a lot of people in corporate America. I look at things differently. I think I take things more seriously um, it's sort of really hard to describe. I don't really fit well in many corporations because I have a lot of different kinds of ideas. I think out of the box and I kind of push against the grain to some degree, not just to push against the grain, but because I really do believe in a different way of doing business. And and I, I got to a point where I realized like I'm going to have a real hard time. I have a real hard time fitting in, right? Um, because I am vocal and I'm not just quiet and I don't get pushed around and I just don't go with the flow. And so that has... That's a good and a bad trait, I guess. I think it's a good trait, but it does cause problems in corporate America when you're like that. So as we're leading into you know the end of the show and
3: transitioning into entrepreneurship, do you have any advice for those that may be in corporate America right now as they were in this spot where we're at right now talking, where they're in corporate America and they're thinking about making that transition, do you have any advice for them?
1: I do. I say you know one of the things you should do is talk to as many entrepreneurs as you can whether it's in the industry you're looking to go into or just in general, I would really suggest doing that because you need to really understand what you're getting yourself into both from a financial standpoint and from a a business um, model standpoint. And you really, really, really need to vet what it is you want to do and compare that to your skill set and make sure it's a good fit. I mean, that's really, really important uh, to do. Do you Um, think if you
2: would have done that back at the coffee shop days, you still would have done that venture?
1: uh probably not okay
2: probably not. that's valuable advice yeah certainly yep good stuff and believe it or not as we right get to the juicy parts of the show we're out of time so it goes by pretty fast doesn't it it does absolutely (laughs) your life in 26 minutes (laughs) 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 again kevin mccork uh, thank you for your time today we appreciate the story uh kevin's the owner of monster tree service of charleston
0: and make sure and follow us beyond Saturday mornings and come see us on our Facebook page and also on Twitter at BTBCHS.
2: And of course, in case you missed last week's show or any of our previous shows, don't fret. Simply go to our website at CoastalWM.com. Click on that little icon up in the right-hand corner It says radio, and you can listen to all of our shows going back over the last five years, harder to believe. So great stories of entrepreneurship and leadership from here in the country. Uh, again, thank you for joining us here on 943WSC every Saturday morning from 9 to 930 uh, for uh, another episode of Beyond the Business and until next week, little Country, have a blessed week. Thank
1: you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 943WSC Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 o'clock for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 943WSC.